All right, this morning, I want to see how savvy you are when it comes to cultural things. I'm just looking at you, and I mean, you're sharp couples, looking good, looking great families uh, this morning, but how in tune with our culture are you? And so what we're going to do is show you a few family portraits, and when we see them, I want you just to yell out who these people are, and we're going to see how you do. All right, so here we go. First family portrait. If you know who it is, just yell it out. All right, yeah. What'd you say? The Mannings? I, yeah, no. No, that's George Bush, man. Those are, all right, next one, George Bush, all right. All right, a little better, all right. And, and so I'm thinking, you know, we need to bring this up about 10 notches, all right. I want to hear you, all right. So if you know this next p family picture, I want you to say it nice and loud. Here we go. Yeah, all right, Sarah Palin, good, all right. All right, good, all right, there we go, good, next one. All right, man, <laughs> Prince, <laughs> Prince William, I think, I don't know, that's what my note says, Prince William, you got it, you got it, all right, all right, next one, on your toes, here we go, yep, Jenner's in there, the Kardashians, I was going to chastise you if you were like, yeah, the Kardashians, I'd be like, how do you know that, and I'm wondering, You realize, Bobby, your wife is the only one that yelled out. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> all right, okay. All right, okay. Now, now, what do we see uh, with these pictures? All right, all right. Oh, hold on, hold on. Yeah, just hold on. You can leave that one up there. Now, the, all those first set of pictures, people are smiling, looking happy, looking good. Those are Now, what's, you never see a picture like this posted, right? A family portrait like this is not going to get blown up. What's wrong with this picture? That poor kid is being molested right there in front of our eyes. You would never see a picture like this. Let's see another one that, that you're never going to see. Let's, let's look at this. Oh, whoa. How many know you're not blowing that one up, putting that over the mantle, right? All right, very good. I, I'm just curious what happened after that. Did that poor baby make it, or did they have a trip to the hospital? I don't know. All right, next one. Here we go. What's wrong with this picture? <laughs> Oh, I love it. I mean, not only the hands around the neck, but look at this girl looking like I'm going to kill her. I, uh, we don't know what happened, and so, uh, but you're never going to see that over the mantle. Let, all right, next one here. Oh. Let's just, uh, that's kind of scary. Bonnie, I don't know where you got that, but uh, I'm not, I don't want that family picture anywhere close. Let's go to the next one. Let's see. Oh, yeah, yeah, I love it. That kid in the bag is, is, this is my turn. Revenge! All right, now, now. So, you know, you don't post pictures like that. But, you know, as we're talking about family portraits coming up to this morning, I was looking through my phone, and uh, my kids aren't here for service, and so I thought I'd just show you a couple funny pictures of my kids. Uh, first one here, Logan, looking good. <laughs> How many know he's going to hate that second service that we posted that? There might be your tweetable moment. All right, there you go. Logan, here's Reagan. Yep. <laughs> These are pictures on my phone that my kids have taken my phone hostage. And so there we go. And then a picture of me. Oh, <laughs> whoa, looking pretty good. How many know that's not a good looking uh, face? Uh, man, wow. 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 Oh, and there's Jessica. 
You thought I was going to post one ugly Jessica or crazy Jessica? Not a chance. Not on Mother's Day. No way. So you can just tweet, hey, Jessica's looking pretty good this morning. You can post that on Facebook. She'll come to church saying, what in the world, you know? And uh, there she is. Oh, she, 20 years I'll be married to her in a couple weeks. And so pretty excited about that. So anyway, so this morning, <laughs> family portraits. And what's neat about that is that we love posting pictures. How many have ever posted a picture online? Come on, be honest, all right? Or someone sitting next to you. Uh, it, you know, I know some of the guys here are like, what's Facebook, right? No, no, hopefully you know. But, uh, but listen, we, we post these pictures, and we would post pictures that we want to show uh, how good things are. You would, let's be honest, you would never post a picture like that one of my son. Although, I mean, he might I maybe do that. Or of Reagan, like, you know, sticking out her tongue. She's going to be mortified, I'll just tell you, uh, second service. And in, in the media age that we live, uh, we ha- there's so many ways we can post these things. Uh, there are millions of shots and videos uploaded daily. YouTube, I heard this uh, a couple weeks ago, is spending a million dollars a day to expand their storage capacity. Can you imagine? And so Facebook and Instagram and Twitter and Snapchat and the traditional texting and the Vines and YouTube and the, the, the ways to, to post go on and on. In most cases, you see people posting pictures of great things celebrating good things of their lives, highlighting the good. And by the way, I think that's okay, don't you? And uh, to be able uh, to connect or stalk people, how many are stalkers here? Uh, Just be honest, you don't post a lot, but you're on a lot looking and just watching, and, and it's fun to do that. But the sad reality is that when someone posts a picture or takes a selfie or they they put something online, you just cannot tell if it's reality. That's the truth, isn't it? it? Is it false? Is it fantasy? Could I be so bold to say that there are times that pictures get posted that are just uh, out loud, out and uh, upfront lie? It's not a true representation of what's happening because behind the scenes, that person is really hurting or they're lonely or depressed or broken in some way. And today, we want to challenge each other kind of in twofold, two, two different things. Number one, we want to present a gospel message this morning and give you an opportunity to meet the Lord. If you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus, we're going to give you an opportunity by the end of the service to respond, to accept Christ as your personal Savior, and we want to make that a priority. But then the second thing is we want to give you a, a dose of the truth, right? Uh, we want you to face reality a little bit and take the risk to live with authenticity. There's something about authentic living that is really, really important in our lives. To be vulnerable, to be truthful, to be transparent. And how many know sometimes that is not easy to do? But living life to the full with authenticity is really important. And I want to take us to a verse that will kind of set the mood for us this morning to 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 7. So j- if you've got a Bible, you can uh, turn there with me. It'll be on the screen, or you can grab Bibles off the back tables. Uh, if you don't have a Bible, uh, feel free to do that. There's a few verses that we're going to highlight that I think are going to kind of set us in motion this morning to be able to see uh, God move in our midst. And the first verse comes, and I'll explain the context here in a second, but let's read it first. 
1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 7 says this. It says, But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. And I'll explain what that is in just a second. The Lord does not look at the things man looks at. And I was reading that this morning, and how many know you're not supposed to end a sentence with a preposition? And uh, the NIV probably has updated that. In fact, uh, well, not on this version. But anyway, man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. That end little phrase, I want to say that together. Let's, sing it, let's say it together. Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Lord, I pray that this verse would just uh, explode in our minds and in our hearts today. God, I know we've heard this before if we've been in church uh, for some time. There may be some here that have never heard that verse, but God, I pray as we bring some context, as we unfold that, Lord, I pray that it would make a difference in our lives today, and it would help us to move towards authentic living. God, that you would help us in this pursuit today to be, to be real, to be truthful, to be transparent in our lives. And God, I pray that you would transform lives, draw us close to you, and we pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, in this context here in 1 Samuel, something is happening. The Samuel, who's the prophet, he's complaining or mourning, really, over King Saul, who was a king that really turned bad. His life was sliding and, uh, and really uh, going in a bad direction, King Saul. And God says to Samuel, the prophet, in that context, he says, look, get your anointing oil and go see Jesse, the, the, uh, who is from Bethlehem. And you say, well, who's Jesse? Well, he was just an average guy, but uh, he invites Jesse to a sacrifice along with his sons, and one by one, the sons step up, and Samuel is looking to anoint the next king. The next king. And so he brings the first son, the most handsome, the tallest, and that's where we see in verse 7, the one by one, they were rejected. I'm sorry, that's not it. Not this one, not that one, until there were no more sons there. And they said, isn't there any more sons? Uh, it, so he says uh, in verse 11, he says, so he asked, are these all the sons you have? And then Jesse says, well, still the youngest is out. He's in the field tending the sheep, right? And Samuel says, go get him. We want to see him. And when he came on the scene, something happened in Samuel's life. He says, God speaks to him and says, that's your man. And what was interesting is that Samuel, by his instincts, was looking for outward appearance. Who was the tallest? Who was the strongest? Who was the bravest? Who was the most handsome? He was looking for a perfect king. And I don't blame him. What a tough job that would be. And just like a perfect king is tough to find, how many know it's tough to find a picture-perfect family? And you might think, well, we would, if you're going to find a perfect family, you'd certainly want to find that in the Bible, right? Well, I, if you do a quick search, and you can do this later today or while we're sitting here in service, there are several lists of families. You do messed up families in the Bible or families that have gone bad in the Bible, and there are lists and lists, and I put a little list together this morning just for our awareness. How about the first family, Adam and Eve? The wife tricks the husband to disobey God. 
right? <laughs> I mean, that's debatable how that all happened. But then the son kills the brother. Were they perfect? Absolutely not. How about Noah's family who was saved from the flood? You think, oh man, Noah. In kids' church, we talk about it a lot and we, we really uh, honor and, and say, man, Noah was uh, incredible. But Noah, he gets drunk, he gets naked, and then later on, his son Ham mocks him for it. And then Noah ends up cursing his son. Can you imagine what Mother's Day was like after that? And I'm not sure it was ever the same. How about Abraham? Father Abraham, we honor him. He was the promise that generations would follow, right? But he short-circuits God's plan, takes a slave, Hagar, gets, she gets pregnant, Sarah gets mad and bitter, and the story goes on, crazy story in Abraham's life. Were they perfect? Absolutely not. How about Lot's family? Lot, crazy, gives his daughters over to an angry mob so that they would rape his daughters instead of taking him. Not perfect, not even close. How about Isaac? Isaac's family, Jacob the son, swindles Esau out of the inheritance by lying to his dad with the help of his mother. Come on, I mean, how many know that's messed up, right? How about Jacob's family? Twelve boys, line them up. You should treat all your kids the same. Not Jacob, he favored Joseph. Joseph was favored by far, and then the brothers took care of it. They planned to kill him. One of the brothers stepped up and said, let's not kill him, let's sell him, let's make him a slave. How about that? And he's off, and the story goes on. How about King Saul? He's jealous over David, the shepherd boy. He becomes obsessed with David, and Jonathan, his own son, aligns with David instead of his own dad. How many know there's no perfect family. King David himself. How about that? David has a fling with his next door neighbor, essentially. She gets pregnant. He has the husband killed. And later, his own son, Absalom, betrays him. In a crazy story, you read about David's life. Far from perfect. Solomon's family, the smartest guy who ever lived. Full of wisdom. God grants wisdom. And then has a palace full of wives and concubines. Need I say any more? Far from perfect. Crazy, if I could say that. And then you say, well, what about Jesus' family? Were, were they perfect? And I, it is funny. You look at different stories or li different lists, and a couple of the lists uh, even included Jesus' family. Mary and Joseph certainly weren't perfect. They left their son behind on a road trip to Jerusalem. <laughs> How many have ever left your kid <laughs> or you know, lost your kid? I was lost once, and uh, that's a that not a fun story to tell. But the point here is that there is no such thing as a picture-perfect family. As good as your families look, even this morning, and you guys look great, I just want you to know, there are, there's no such thing. And if you're tempted to think of yourself as a failure in any way, just remember that messed-up families are everywhere. My friend Darrell, uh, he's 86 years old. He says every family has problems. How many relate to that, right? There's not a family here that's not weird or quirky in some way. <laughs> we all are in process. Isn't that the truth? And how many are glad for that? And the truth is, the reality is that we're all affected by something we call sin. It alienates us from God. Sin separates us from God, but it also separates us from each other and causes trouble in our families. It alienates us. It, it uh, condemns us. And no one here is exempt 
from the touch of sin in our lives. We are born with a sin nature. And the reality is that sin causes a mess in our lives. But the good news is this, is that God, He specializes in redeeming messes. He redeems us. There's no perfect family, but God's grace in our lives, it's God's plan. And there's an opportunity for God's grace to just cover each and every one of us. And what that looks like is that our mess becomes God's masterpiece. Isn't that beautiful? I got your mess becomes his masterpiece. And we see that, the beauty from ashes. And I want you to look with me in Ephesians chapter 2, a great uh, set of verses here that talk about this mercy that God is rich in mercy, that he loved us, and by grace we are saved, and then it moves on to the reality of who we are in Christ. Let's look what it says, starting in verse 4. But because of his great love for us, how many are thankful for God's love? Because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, he made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace that you have been saved. I want to pause there just for a moment. It's the grace of God that leads you to repentance, that would allow you to surrender your life. It's all God. It's all His grace. It's nothing that you can do. It goes on, and God raised us up with Christ and seated Him uh, in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming age He might show the incomparable riches of his grace ex expressed uh, in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you've been saved through faith and not of yourself. It's a gift of God so that no one can boast, right? Uh, not by work so that no one can boast. And then verse 10 describes something that has been some very meaningful to me uh, ever since I was in high school. Uh, one, uh, there was a verse that this verse has been meaningful it was something that I did in woodshop. I created something with my hands that I was very proud of. We still use it in our house today, a little piece of furniture, a little nightstand. And, and it talks about me creating, but it's, listen, this verse says, God, we are God's workmanship. That means he's crafting us. He's shaping us. He's molding us. Created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. And the reason I bring up that verse is because it was grace that saved us, but then there's a plan. God has got a purpose. He's got an idea for your life, and he wants you to walk in that, and he wants you to see that come to fruition. But if that's going to happen, church, we have got to do a couple things, and the first thing that I would encourage you to do is to stop pretending. Stop pretending. Stop the cover-up. How many know if you're someone's a poser, they look like they're the part, but then when you actually have them do something, they can't. Uh, when, we, when I was a, a kid, I liked to skateboard, and, we would, uh, and I was probably average at best, um, but uh, I looked the part, and some people would call me a poser because I really wasn't all that good. But I looked the part, but when it came to me being on those four wheels, um, I was just average. And so I probably was a poser in, my, in that day and age. And the, re the reality is that a lot of families, they look good on the outside, but when you 
get a little beneath the surface, there's issues. And I want to encourage you to stop pretending. And I would say stop the lie. Because the lie is, it takes too much effort. If you're trying to keep up uh, the image or trying to pr- uh, protect your, your, uh, your image in some way, what I, what I think it's like is like a Krispy Kreme donut. How many love Krispy Kreme, you know? I mean, they're, they're incredible donuts, right? They look good. They even taste good. But there's nothing to it. You could smash 12, an entire dozen of Krispy Kreme donuts, and it's about this high. I've seen it done. <laughs> And you could almost put it in your mouth, one big bite of Krispy Kreme. And then it's all sugar, right? It looks good on the outside, but there's no protein, no substance to it. It'll make you sick. And that's like a lot of families. They look good on the outside, but if they were really pressed, there's no substance to them. And so I would say stop pretending. You should be who you are, and we are God's workmanship. Our value, right, our worth. Who we are should rest in what God's word says about us. We should be rooted in our image and our identity should be rooted in God, period. Not what the world says. And so the first thing is we should stop pretending. Stop pretending. The second thing is to stop comparing. Stop comparing. How many know the song, uh, I think it's, I didn't write it down, but the two sets of Joneses song, uh, back in the late 80s or early 90s, I think. I, I should have looked it up. Uh, the two sets of Joneses were standing that day, and there's like two families or two couples that are chronicled, and one looks like they've got it all, and the other one is just getting by. And as the story progresses, the one that had it all, they lose it all, but the one that had nothing, they held on to Jesus. It's a really cool story. Listen. If you're trying to keep up with the Joneses, if you're causing yourself to go into debt to do it, uh, I like what Dave Ramsey says, you're driving a car that you cannot afford to impress people that you don't even know or you don't like. I mean, how many know that how crazy that sounds? But how many of us can get caught up in that mentality? Or we get in this mentality of one-upping other people. If someone gets a new phone, saying, man, I better get a new phone. Or it could be cars or a home or your clothes. Or someone posts something on Facebook and all of a sudden you're posting something on Twitter. It could be image-related. We have got to be careful, church, of who we are trying to emulate. And at what price are we willing to pay to keep up? with someone else. It's a dangerous thing. So I would say stop comparing. And the problem is, is when you compare, you either are doing one of two things. You're either elevating the other person or you're creating like an envy situation and that's not healthy for you. Or you are diminishing them and elevating yourself. That you look at yourself as if you were better than someone else else and i'll just say i know i can struggle with that and i'm curious if you do and it's not just with stuff it could be with raising kids the academics the way your kids uh, do in school you're one upping you're comparing yourself with other families or with sports or with music or the school of choice where your kids go and you start looking you say my kids going to u of m and uh, their kids going to, you know, 
you know, no, you know, a no, no brand school. I don't know. <laughs> I was going to say one, but then I was like, what if someone's here? <laughs> and uh, and I, I'd, I'd hate to do that. And so, um, so I don't want to do that. But listen, how many does that happen? Right. Oh, my son, he, you know, he went to Michigan Tech. Right. <laughs> and, and, and you start to think, you know, that if your kid goes here or there or doesn't go to school or something like that. Listen, you start comparing one another in your raising of kids. And uh, that is dangerous to do. How about in marriages? Marriages, you say, well, my marriage is not as bad as theirs. You know, look at their, you know, there's, you know, there's issues in their marriage or there's, you know, there's adultery there or there, there's, you know, boy, they, they never get to get along or why don't they sit together or why, you know, what? And you start measuring yourself according to someone else's marriage and you're on a slippery slope. It's dangerous. And not only in the outward things, but even spiritually, you can rate yourself according to someone else. On the radio this Friday, there was a Mother's Day edition, and this lady, Arlene Pelican, I don't know if you caught it with Focus on the Family, uh, she wrote a book called 31 Days of Becoming a Happy Mom, and it just caught my attention. It was on my radio uh, uh, when I woke up, and I went back and listened to it because it, it caught my attention. But what she talks about is the busy mom that's just, you know, pulling her hair out, doesn't get ready for the day, you know, and uh, is running kids here and there and, you know, just, you know, about to pull out her hair or kind of ready to lose it. And then she goes on to Facebook and she sees her friend posting a picture of Beth Moore in a cup of coffee and saying, oh, isn't God good? The presence of God is here and saying, huh, you know, my life is chaos. How and you start comparing yourself to an image that's online or the, the mom that's at a spa treatment and uh, and and you're looking or gets their nails done. And and the, the mom that's like, man, I haven't done my nails in months or a year <laughs> you know, or something like that. Or they run out and spend money on their credit card, running up the credit uh, to just to get a new outfit, uh, just to keep up or to present an image. And the thinking there is you want, it's really messed up, right? And you say, boy, I want to measure up. Or maybe it's the single mom that looks and says, you know, uh, you know, I don't have a husband. How could I ever measure up? Or how could I raise these kids in a godly home? And there's this comparing that goes on. And it can be subtle, and you may not even be aware. And I want us to bring some awareness saying, boy, do I do that? in my life? Am I looking at others and either elevating them or elevating myself? And I would say either way, it's dangerous. And I think this is a word from the Lord. I've got in my notes, stop it. Stop the comparing. It's not healthy. And instead of pretending, instead of comparing, I want to challenge us this morning instead to be happy. I want you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 5. At the very beginning of Jesus' ministry, you may know this, he uh, gives a discourse, a uh, speech, a message. We call it the Sermon on the Mount. And at the very beginning, it talks about how you can be happy, how you can be full of joy. And uh, in my Bible, it says blessed uh, in each case, but that word in the Greek means happy. And so I'm going to read it that way. Happy are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. How many know that's a different distinction than just comparing or pretending? Happy are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. We don't have time to unpack these today, but there's a lot of truth here. Happy are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. 
I love that one. Probably my favorite. Ble- uh, blessed or happy are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. What should you be looking for? What should you be filling your life with? Righteousness, for they will be filled. Happy are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Happy are the pure in heart. What's important? What will cause you great joy? What will cause you to be as a, uh, in God's eyes and even in your own life to say, God, man, God is blessing me? If you're pure in heart, they will see God. Happy are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. Happy are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, uh, for theirs is the kingdom of God. And then it says, happy are those, uh, are you, when when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of things against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad. Be filled with joy because your reward is in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. And I take the time to read that. We can't unpack that. But the idea is that you will be blessed when you follow these things. When you look to God's word to bring joy, to bring uh, peace, to bring fulfillment. It's not image on, on the outward appearance. It's not stuff. It's not other things that are external in our lives. What really will give you peace and happiness is following the word of God. I want to come back to the mom's idea. Today's Mother's Day, and, and uh, boy, I love my mom. And uh, uh, there's a study that came out from Barna, which is a, a, a church kind of wide um, study, and uh, they look at uh, trends, and they found recently that eight out of ten moms, when they were asked, they felt like they were overwhelmed. Eight out of ten moms were overwhelmed. They were stress-filled in their lives. 80%. Wow. They went on to say that 7 out of 10 moms don't get enough sleep. How many can uh, relate to that? (laughs) And uh, some of the moms are going, oh yeah, isn't that the truth, right? 7 out of 10 moms say they don't get enough sleep. What's interesting, this is a little positive uh, uh, way to say this, but it's really negative. 19% of moms reported being satisfied being a mother. That means four out of five, if we lined up moms, would say, eh, there's something, I'm not quite satisfied being a mom. And the reality is, my guess is, that there are some here that would fit in that category. I say, man, wow. And I want you to know this morning that you're not alone with those feelings. Four out of five. And what happens if you're not satisfied, you begin to pretend or you compare or you just crawl in a hole and you want to go away. And if that's accurate, if you're not satisfied, you can be tempted in your life to give up, to kind of throw in the towel. Single moms with no husband, they're saying, man, I don't have a chance. I don't have a clue or I can't, I'll never get ahead. Or in the marital situation, there's problems, maybe adultery, maybe uh, other issues of anger or resentment or, or uh, divorce and, uh, and remarriage and whatever the case might be. And these marriage problems say, man, you know, I'm not satisfied. I can't get ahead. Or maybe there's addiction in your family. And you're saying, man, you know, we're just, we're just doomed. There's no, no potential for traction. Or maybe your kids aren't behaving the way that you think they should or, you know, that you would want them to. And you may ask yourself, why would I even want to try? And you want to give, give up, throw in the towel. 
And the good news, I think, in regards to our message today, is that there, when you think of families that are picture perfect, the reality is there are none. And so we are in good company. You are not alone. When we think about a picture perfect family, there's no one really who thinks your family is perfect anyway. All right? And that might be a shock to you. Or do is, I don't think there's anyone here that really would look at any of our families and say, boy, you should be perfect, right? If we're honest with ourselves, say, man, we're all fallen. Let's face reality. Let's take an inventory. Let's work towards being transparent or more authentic to live in that way. And I want to say to never, ever give up. Always be pursuing God. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24. This is at the end of Paul's life. The Apostle Paul, uh, who wrote uh, a bunch of the New Testament, and he explains at the end of his life, he says, run in such a way to get the prize. If someone seems to be ahead of you, don't worry, you're not running their race. You don't have to compare. You don't have to pretend. Just keep on running. Run in such a way. Our life in this context here is uh, described as a race. And if our life has a finish line, when we breathe our last breath, we want to run to the very end to do the very best that we can with God's help, keeping God's word as a guide the best we can. Again, our mess becomes God's masterpiece in our lives. So I want to challenge us this morning with this family portrait idea. And I want you to imagine framing your family's future. You say, well, how would I frame my family's future? From this moment on, I believe we can take whatever your circumstances are and it can become a beautiful masterpiece. And it's not going to be filled, or the border or the frame is not going to be filled with the things that the world says about you. It's not going to be even what you think about you. It's not what circumstances look like on the outward, thank the Lord. But we want to focus on what God says about you and about your family and about your situation. And this morning, I want to challenge you to begin to talk to yourself the same way you would talk to your own kids. How many know when, you are, when your kids are young, you encourage them along, or at least you should. Hey, you're doing a great job. I notice what you did. Uh, you picked up your room. Or I, I love you. Or uh, I'm proud of you. And we talk to our kids in that manner when they are young, and hopefully as they grow, we continue to do that, right? But the reality is a lot of times we don't talk to ourselves in that way. And I want you to just imagine your heavenly Father speaking to you this morning. Now we've used a tool called the stand on several occasions here. And I can't help but bring it back out. We have given you a copy that looks something like this. I've actually had people take this and put it in a frame and put it up on their wall or put it somewhere where they can look at it. And what this resource does, and by the way, we have these resources in the lobby, and um, 
you're free to take those, and we've got lots and lots of copies. But what this does is it describes what the Bible says about your condition. I'm not going to read all these, but I want to give you an idea of how we could frame our future, frame our family's future. Things like this, that you are a new creation, that you are a person who possesses uh, the, the glory of God. You are a royal priesthood. You are alive with God. You are the apple of God's eyes. You are beloved. You are anointed. You are gifted. You have the mind of Christ. You are highly favored. You are redeemed. And the list goes on and on and on. And what I want to encourage us this morning is that if we begin or continue to acknowledge what the Word of God, each of these have a verse that are straight from Scripture that talk about the reality of who you are in God's eyes. If you can embrace that in your life, what it does, it puts a hedge of protection around the world, from the world, to protect you from thoughts from outside. I believe that if you begin or continue to embrace these things and see yourself in this light, that God can take that and he can safeguard your future. And it will allow you to run the race right to the very end with endurance and with success. Can we stand this morning? I want to pray for you. Father, I just pray this morning for each and every person here today. God, that you would do a mighty, mighty work. And God, that we would understand who we are in you. Lord, that we don't have to pretend to be someone that we're not. We don't have to manufacture uh, an image that is uh, false. And God, we don't have to keep up with our neighbor. God, we are designed to run our own race. And God, with your help, we can move forward and we can do just that. God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would just move in these next few moments and just prepare our hearts. And God, as we understand that we are a child of the one true King, that we are children of God. And Lord, we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen. Amen. Let's sing this song together. Let it set our hearts before the Lord.